I think you're fine. And literally, as soon as he said, I think you're fine, I had another episode right there in his office. They had to call an ambulance and, and the stretcher and take me out of his office straight to the, to the emergency room. Hey guys, welcome to part two of my conversation with YY, where he shares all about the scary moments leading up to the diagnosis of his heart condition. And this was a really tough time in his life, but he took it as an opportunity to find a new role on his team. And from that, he found a completely new perspective on life. You know, it started out with, you know, we'll play in the games or we'll go and practice. And every time I go through warm-ups, I'll get like tired quick. We'll just like have one sprint up and down the court and I'll be short of breath. And we're playing at a game up at Holy Cross actually. And um, I was in for just a couple minutes. And I remember having a good couple minutes in there, scored a couple of times. I got a couple of rebounds, a couple of blocks and just came down court and I was like struggling to run back on defense. And you know, my chest just got tight, like just felt dizzy. I felt like, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So I just figured, okay, I'm out of shape. I remember, you know, coach yelled at me in the locker room at halftime, like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I'm out of shape. I need to get in shape. I'm like, all right. He didn't play me the whole second half, by the way, even though I had a great first half. And then came back home. Uh, The next two days of practice, I tried to push myself hard. But the harder I tried to push myself, you know, the less I could do. Um, And so it got to a point where um, the last practice before I went in to see the trainer, you know, we just dribbled. I just dribbled up and down the court and I was like struggling to catch my breath. And, you know, my heart was like racing and I was like, I don't really know what's going on. So I went into the trainer and I was like, hey, something else It's not just me being out of shape. And, you know, they scheduled an appointment with a cardiologist and they went and checked my heart and then they were like yeah we don't think uh we think your heart's not functioning at full capacity right now and we think that it might be heart related i honestly think that looking back now um the doctors or the cardiologists were a little bit um scared because of my family history. So um, my dad died the same year I came to the US. So that's like one of the biggest, um, I guess like one of the most difficult times in my life. Um, I almost didn't come to the US because of that, because I wanted to stay home with my mom and my younger brothers, but um, it was in the best interest of my family for me to come here financially because um, I was going to be on a full scholarship and my mom would have one less kid to worry about um, raising. So, um, so yeah, that's how it started. My dad died of a heart attack, basically. So they were scared that, you know, something similar was going to happen to me. And so I think I met with, I don't know, maybe 20 other cardiologists after that. Um, and I think that all those cardiologists, like all the um I guess recommendations were influenced by that first cardiologist and my family history as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, I can't imagine how scary that is to not only have those, you know, initial warning signs happen to you, but also thinking about your dad and your family history there. So it's understandable that a lot of doctors were probably on the more conservative side. What were you thinking about during 
you know, this process of seeing a lot of doctors, were you kind of hoping each time you saw a new doctor, like maybe they'd see something different or were you starting to do maybe your own research and being like, maybe there is something a little bit more serious going on? Uh, to be honest, when it all started, I didn't think they were going to find anything because I thought I was fine. Or if they did find something, it's something that could be corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they told me, you know, I met the first cardiologist and he said, oh, you know, we think that you have a heart condition and we, we call the cardiomyopathy and we don't think basically it's when the heart's like a little bit enlarged and it's not like pumping blood as aggressively as it should be. Um, so they were scared that the heart was going to fail. Um, and so, you know, to me, I just thought, okay, well, this doctor is not comfortable. Maybe if I went and saw another doctor, he might have experience with this and he might have a different, you know, recommendation. Uh, but, you know, they all said the same thing. So for me constantly, it's like, okay, I have hope. I'm going here. I might hear something positive this time, but it's all, it all ended up being no, no, no. So yeah, that's basically what happened. It was it was really hard to take um, because it affected me and also every, everyone around me. Um, and I didn't know if I was, I basically didn't know what was gonna happen because you know, I was on scholarship. I didn't know if I was going to be back the next year. I don't. I didn't really know what was going on. So I just had so many questions um, that needed answers that I wasn't getting answers to at that point. So I was I was confused. And um, you know, if you look at even if you look at my transcripts, it, it, my transcripts tell a story. <laughs> and you know, right. like I struggled freshman year because of all that because I was dealing with all that. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine going through all of that and keeping up a a normal lifestyle because your world is just getting flipped upside down. Like everything that you've been working towards is is being put on a on a pause, which we'll get to that later. It was a pause because you probably thought at the time like this is the end of this, but eventually, you know future tells another story but we'll get to that um that happy ending as well um but going i mean i don't want to dwell on the dark times but i think you're right this is important to share a story like this because you're going through this time where your identity is basically being taken from you they're telling you you can't be a basketball player anymore so you know how did you cope initially and and what was the day like when you had to tell the team the first time um wow yeah, I, you know, it was more, they kind of knew what was going on. So it wasn't like, a, there wasn't a moment where I had to sit down and address the whole team. So everybody kind of had an idea because they were all obviously invested in me and everything that was going on. So I just updated them as I went. Um, but yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And, you know, it was a very very emotional um, times, even not just for me, for my teammates as well. Um, you know, I remember they kept saying that whole year and the year after that, actually, that, you know, this is for you, this is for you, like going into games and stuff like that. So it was it was definitely very emotional, but I, d- I definitely felt like I was around a bunch of like really good people um, that, that cared for me so much and they were just very supportive and and I couldn't be more grateful for, for all they did. Yeah, so you were on scholarship, and of course the fear comes into your head of like, okay, I can't play anymore. Are they going to make me leave and everything? But what did your role turn into once you were told you couldn't play anymore? 
Yeah, that's that's really hard to describe because my role, I basically did everything. I was a manager, I was a coach, I was a teammate, I was, a, I don't know, I was everything. Are so you locker room DJ? <laughs> a little bit, a little Not. bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just uh, in in practice, like over winter breaks, some of the managers go home. So I would like you know manage the clock or I'd hold the towels and wipe the floors when the guys fall. I did, I did all of that. Um, I also would when coach would break down the teams before practice to get shots up. I'd be with the centers, like helping them out a little bit. Um, you know, even back then when I wasn't playing, like I had to switch my focus and see the game from a different perspective. And so like the centers would come out of the game and they were like, oh, what do you see? What do you see out there? And I try to tell them, oh, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing. And they, you know, so they would actually, some of them would come out and talk to me. And that's how, you know, I, I try to, I basically try to find ways to, to be useful and just to, to add value to the team, to make me feel like, I'm a part of it, and I'm part of I'm a part of everything that's you know the success that um, that we have. So, um, so yeah, that's basically what I did. I was a, I was a manager, I was a coach, I was a teammate, I was a friend. I was I was basically doing everything. And um, in terms of my scholarship, like yes, I was very nervous about that. But then, you know, the athletic department here they they were very they were great. They basically told me that they were going to do a medical hardship and give you know keep me a scholarship until I graduated they were going to honor my scholarship which was great um because otherwise I don't think I'll be able to you know go to school I can't afford to go to school so uh so you know I'm forever forever grateful for for what they did yeah now that was huge um talk about all the all the different hats you wore on the team and you brought I mean, I know I I was there to witness those three years before I graduated. You brought so much light and positivity to the team from the sidelines, which, I mean, I can't even imagine how hard that is to do that for that long. I mean, I went through it a little bit my senior year with my concussion, and it was just so painful to sit on the sidelines and watch your team. While it's nice to be in the environment again, it is painful. So, would you say that it was beneficial to you to still take on all those roles or how did that help you or hurt you mentally? Uh, well, it definitely hurt me a lot, but I think being on the team and doing those things I did like help like fill that void that was created um, by, by not being able to play anymore. Um, I think it, it's, it's, it's crazy because like actually being on the team was hurting me every day but it was hurting a lot less than it would have if I wasn't on the team. Um, and so that's why, like I said earlier, I just try to be as useful as possible, try not to be a liability in any, in any way, just try and you know provide some kind of positive, just, I don't know, do something positive every day was what I strived for. So I just try to help them. I mean, being at every practice, being at every game, doing everything, that everybody, like all the other players did, but practice and play was really hard for me. And, you know, three hour practices every day, like that was hard for me to do um, because that's a huge chunk of my day. Um, but what I was able to do was, again, find those little um, pockets or little areas where I felt like I could contribute and add my add value. And so I did that. And in addition to that, I figured, you know, at some point, like I said, like. At some point, the basketball is going to stop bouncing, right? Like at some point, you're going to stop playing sports, but then you have to figure out what what to do next. So for me, 
it was like my moment happened sooner than most of my other teammates. So I just had to find something else. So for me, I just focused on school. I focused on my classes. I focused on, um, you know, what classes interest me the most and how I can take advantage of that. So in a sense, even though I was putting in all those hours, I wasn't physically exhausted at the end of the day every day. So I could actually apply myself to school. And like I said earlier, my transcripts tell a story. <laughs> Right, so like my freshman year, I wasn't I wasn't that good um, of a student because of everything everything that was going on. But then my sophomore year, like in the fall, I made dean's list, and you know it was, it was just like I just switched my mindset, and I was like, okay, like at some point I have to figure this out, and I have to move on from it. So instead of dwelling and saying why me, why me, and don't get me wrong, there was a lot of crying, there was a lot of why me. But I also had to figure out what to do next. And um, I think, you know, my upbringing helped with that. I think actually like losing my dad at a young age helped with that because that was the worst, th those were the worst times in my life. Um, and it's something that I'm still not over yet. Like, you know, because um, I think about him a lot. Like my dad was like my best friend. Like I was really close with him. So losing him, I don't think there's anything else that I can face in life that would come close to that. So me, for me, I was like, okay, well, I have a heart condition. I can't play anymore. Okay, so what can I do about it? And I just try to find those positive things and just, you know, stay with it, stick with it, stay with it. At the end of the day, um, you know, looking back, I was like, okay, if I didn't have this opportunity and I'm here in the U.S., like, I'll be back in Nigeria and I don't know what my life will, you know, become. But I have this heart condition, but, like, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful or, like, I'm privileged to have the scholarship for all four years. And at the end of it all, even though I can't play basketball, I'm still gonna get a college degree. So my situation was bad, but I just tried to keep that perspective, which was hard to do, but I still had to do it because that was my only way to get myself to push through and, and get to the finish line. My gosh, you just like left me speechless. <laughs> I like, have chills. Holy cow, I mean, you're not kidding. You have really been through so much and I'm so sorry about your dad. And I'm just amazed at how much you've been able to bring light into all these situations that you've, you've been through. It's so beyond inspiring. Even if you think you're just sharing a story to share a story, like it is really, really inspiring. So I just, I have to put that out there before I say anything else. And, and I appreciate you sharing all of this, but, um, I do want to talk about a really cool event that did happen, even though it was still during this period where you couldn't play um, your senior night. So three years, basically, yeah, it would have been three years of of not playing anymore, but still being so incredibly dedicated to this team. So tell me about your, your senior night. Well, you got me emotional just thinking about that. But um, wow. But yeah, senior night was uh, was great. I mean, coach asked me to practice before if I wanted to take the tip senior night. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And so they had me suit up for the game, came out there, had the tip and, you know, went to the bench. And I just remember like, just, you know, I was like, wow, this is really the end. That's like the end of my college basketball career. Like, you know, even though Wow, I'm really emotional. So even though I knew that I wasn't going to be able to play, like that moment was just like, 
okay, it's finally over. Like, whatever glimmer of hope, like, that I had of, like, ever playing again, that's it right there is done. And so for me, it was great to be recognized on senior night. And, um, you know, I think a bunch of my teammates were tearing up on the bench, too, um, because, um, you know, they knew everything that I went through. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a it was a great moment. It was it was good to be to be recognized, and um, it was also really hard for me. Um, but I'm glad they did it. I remember that the, there was not a dry eye in the entire arena because everyone there knew your story, and it wasn't just what you went through, but also knowing what you were still doing for the team. Um, I think that's what made everyone, you know, so invested in your story and in, in that experience. So to see you out there with your, your jersey on, them announce your name, and you get to touch the ball in a real game like that is really special. And the way your team reacted was really, really empowering and, you know, like you said, emotional. So I can't imagine, like, this is me just being like a little spectator on the side. I can't imagine what it was like for you guys being in the in the middle of it all. Um, I think you interviewed me after the game. And uh-huh. you asked me about the whole experience, and I remember just being speechless. Even at that moment, like, I still couldn't, I couldn't say anything because I didn't really know what I was feeling. Like, I just couldn't process anything. I remember just saying it was very emotional. It was very emotional. I think that's all I said. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy. And, and I'm actually more surprised that I still fit in my jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I put the jersey on in the locker room and before we went out like everyone they're all hyping me up they're all like you know happy that I was in my jersey and you know a couple of guys were like wow it still fits and I was like well, I know I know it still fits barely you're like this is, I'm racking this up as a win tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah so graduated my mom came to graduation that was great that was a great moment for me not just for me but for my family as well um you know my older brothers um graduated uh you know two years before me and my mom was also here for that so we're we're um grateful that my mom was able to come and witness everything um but yeah so i graduated and then you know looked for for a job for a while and then i like you know found a job working for like a startup company um and so I worked there for a little bit. And then around November of 20, 2017, I remember the movie I was watching. I went to watch uh, Thor. So I was there watching it with my then girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, so we we're watching the, the, the movie. And I remember feeling like, you know, I was sitting on the chair in the movie theater and I couldn't feel the chair. I felt like literally I was like floating. And I was like, what's going on? And I felt like... Um, you know, do you ever get the feeling where when you're asleep, you feel like you're falling? And yeah, you're you wake like yourself up and you're like, what is Right. So like every couple minutes I'll jump because I get that feeling and I didn't really know what was going on. And so like, you know, I kept trying to, you know, just relax and watch the movie. A couple minutes later, it would happen again, it would happen again. And I'll, you know, jolt and wake up and I'll get up or, and then, you know, it'll happen again, I'll get up. So then I figured, you know, I'll just get up and walk to the side and just, like, stand there. So I, like, walked out. Um, I remember holding the railing, like, crawling down the stairs in the movie theater. And I finally got down to the bottom of the stairs, and I stood there. And I felt a little bit better, but it was still, like, you know, it, it was horrible. And so 
um, so Sarah came, uh, Sarah was my girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, I remember she had to like, you know, hold me up and like walk me to the car. And then we drove back to the apartment. And um, so we got to the door of the apartment and I was, I mean, we opened the door and I literally felt like I was going to fall multiple times. Literally, it was like she was dragging me into the apartment building at that point. And then it just got to a point where I was like, okay, I can't do it. I can't do it. Just take me to the hospital. And so we got in the car and then, you know, I had to like put the chair down. I was laying down. I had the window down. And literally, it's like the the feeling came in waves. So it would come like every couple of minutes, I'll like feel that. Every couple of minutes, I'll feel that. And it's like, just when I feel like I'm recovering from the last episode, it would happen again. And so we went into the um, to the to the emergency room, and they ran a, a battery of tests. Every test you could you think you could think of, they did there. They did the CAT scan, like X-ray, everything. Um, and the the doctors came back and they're like, "We think you're fine. Like we don't know what's going on, but you're fine." And then I kept, I started telling them the whole story about my heart and everything that was going on. And I had like, you know, like pages and pages of documents that like, of my heart. And they're like, oh, no, we think you're fine. I'm like, OK, like you guys, like, come on now. And so they looked a little bit more and they're like, oh, yeah, we see everything that they're saying. And we do think that, yes, maybe you might you might have that condition. But based on the numbers and everything that we're seeing right now, that there's no cause of the, the, the you shouldn't be concerned right now. And I'm like, okay. That must and be so frustrating. And you're like, you are not in my body. Like you have no idea. Right. And, and the, the crazy part to this all was that all the doctors that I saw after seeing that initial doctor, this was back in 2014. They all said that we think your heart's like good or like performing better. Um, and we don't think like you are going to, like, we don't think you're going to drop down and die at any moment, but we think that, you know, like, you should just keep a close eye on it, and we're just not comfortable letting you compete anymore. So I think that was the hardest thing for me. It's like, they're all saying that we think your heart's good, but, like, you can't really compete. And so when I got there again, it's like, I knew exactly how I felt. I knew that I felt horrible, and that's why I came to the emergency room. And you guys are telling me that I'm completely fine. Like, that that doesn't make sense. Um And so, yeah, that happened. And then, um, you know, I stayed there for about like six hours. One of my teammates, actually, Charlie Jones, was there with me in the emergency room uh, because back then we're playing in the men's league. Actually, I probably wasn't supposed to be, but we're playing in the (laughs) we're playing in the men's league. And um, I, you know, I played a couple of games and I remember we got to the playoffs and I couldn't play anymore. But those guys played without me, um, with like Shulf and Pee Wee and all those older guys. And wow, that's a power yeah. team. Yeah, I know, right? So we ended up winning it without me. Damn. Uh, I know. But I was struggling, you know. But um, so that's basically what happened. So that happened, and I, I came back home, and I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on, but the doctor said I'm fine. So maybe this is like a mental thing. I just need to take it slow and just... You know, I'll be fine in a couple of days. So they thought maybe I might have uh, vertigo. So I went and did a test for that, and that was negative. Um, And so I was just uh, back in my apartment, and then I figured I'll just go home and see my family. So I went back to Pennsylvania where all my brothers, and uh, to hang out with all my brothers and my whole family. And I remember I was just hanging out there, and, you know, I started getting that feeling again, and I literally had to lay on the floor, and it was like literally the whole room was spinning. I didn't really know what was going on. 
And then they had to take me, they rushed me to a hospital in Pennsylvania there. And so I ended up going to the emergency room three times in November of 2017. With that same feeling, that same sensation. Right. So I went to the emergency room the first time. They said, oh, you're fine. Like, you know, there's, there's nothing. So I came back home. And so then that was building up because I'm like, okay, I know what I'm feeling, but all these people are telling me that I'm fine. And then to me, it's like, I felt like everybody, like nobody was believing me. Like, I know I'm not fine, but you guys keep telling me I'm fine. And so um, I went to see, uh, um, so I went to an ENT specialist to check out, to, to see if I had vertigo. So I went in and while I was in the office, they did all the tests and the doctor came in and was like telling me, hey, I think you're fine. And literally, as soon as he said, I think you're fine, I had another episode right there in his office. They had to call an ambulance and the stretcher and take me out of his office straight to the to the emergency room. So that was the third time it happened. You're like, I didn't mean to do this, but this was pretty perfect timing to show you I'm not fine. Yeah. And so I, I, I tried to tell him, I was like, okay, don't worry. The hospital is just down the block. I'm just going to like stumble over there. Like no need to call the ambulance. Like I'll be fine. He's like, no, you got to give me a consent. I got to call an ambulance because you don't look good. You don't look good. It's like, all right. So they called the ambulance. I remember going in the emergency room and that's when they were like, okay, this is your third time this month. We're going to admit you. And so they admitted me. And so that's when this whole thing started. And that's when I felt like, I don't want to say my family didn't take it seriously because they did. But that's when I felt like I was actually being heard. Um, And so then, you know, they came in, they had everybody talk to me, a neurologist, a nutritionist, like a cardiologist, everyone. They all came in and checked me out and everybody was like, you're fine. And so the cardiologist came in and they're like, okay, we've reviewed all your documents from 2013, 2014 when this all started. They're like, this was over 100 pages. We looked at everything. And based on all that information that we're seeing, all the recommendations from all those doctors and the pre- present condition of your heart right now, we think you don't have a heart condition. And so I remember just being there in the hospital bed, like not, not knowing how to react to the information they just gave me, telling me, I didn't have a heart condition. Like, so you mean to tell me the last four years I could have had a normal basketball career? I could have like lived my life and exercised every day because, based on the recommendations of those, all those cardiologists, I was not supposed to exercise a lot. Um, so me playing in the men's league was actually not. I wasn't supposed to be doing that because they said at any moment if I keep elevating my heart rate, I could just fall down, drop down, and die. And so I had that in the back of my head every day, like just walking to class, my heart rate goes up. I'm like, oh, I got to slow down. I got to slow down because like, you know, you never know. That's what the doctor said. And on top of all that, they put me on meds and they said that I was going to be on the meds, like beta blockers and stuff. They said I was going to be on the meds for like the rest of my life. So those meds were a constant reminder. Every day I wake up and take the meds and I'm like, okay, I have a heart condition. I need to take these meds to stay alive. Basically, it was how what it was it was a constant reminder every day so you mean to tell me that all those years of all the struggles i had like dealing with taking meds and not exercising and going from someone who was very active and playing and practicing three hours a day to not being able to exercise at all was really hard for me um and so i had all those emotions uh coming back and you know right then and there i had another episode and they had like i want to say like the whole 
like all the nurses and doctors on that floor in our were in my room literally trying to hold me down on the bed because I was like shaking the whole bed because I was like it was like I don't know like I was just overcome with like so much like emotions and I didn't really know like my body just took over I didn't know what was going on I was like talking all normal like okay I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but like my body was just shaking I basically lost control of over everything and they had to like shoot me with like some meds to like calm me down and so literally as soon as that happened they're like yeah we think he has anxiety and that's basically what's going on because based on your heart like we, we think your heart's fine everything is fine and based on the way you just reacted we think it's anxiety holy cow so you have all of these terrifying episodes where it feels like you're falling and you have doctors telling you they don't know what it is and not only do you you not get an answer as to what's going wrong with you you get told that you're more than fine you've been fine i can't imagine how frustrating that is it was frustrating and to be honest like at that moment like yeah it was frustrating but at the same time there was like an element of relief like because I, I was like okay well i don't have to deal with this anymore like i'm fine i can go ahead and live my life so i was happy because of that but at the same time i was just sad because i had basically I had like four years of my life like taken away from me because i wasn't able to do what i loved so um you know like it was it was hard for me it was really hard and um at that moment, I didn't really know what to think, what to do. Wow. So, I mean, did you ever get an answer? Have you, well, have you had any episodes like that since? Um, yes, I have. Not not that severe. No, I haven't. Um, and so actually, all the doctors that I met, like before, they all didn't really agree on like what the diagnosis was. Like they didn't say, oh, you have this condition. They just said, they think I have some heart condition. They can't pinpoint exactly what it is. So we think it might be this. So that was another frustrating part was that like, I never really got that answer. Um, and so right then in the hospital, that was the first real answer I got that, oh, we've seen everything. And based on all the information and based on the present condition your heart's in right now, we think you don't have a heart condition and you can play, you can, compete and so when they said that like you know for me I was happy but at the same time it's like I knew that I spent four years right like in college so I'm like you know I'm done I mean it's good for the rest of my life moving forward but I'm done so that's it but you weren't done <laughs> I was not done yeah that is correct All right, guys, head on over to part three to hear the rest of YY's story, where he got his second chance at basketball and at life.